We are continuing our fight club. Got a little bit of ring here, Ian. Um, we're finishing our, not finishing, we're continuing on. And uh, so the message today is up in arms. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 17. Psalm 17. It's uh, part of our lectionary passages today. And um, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation first, and then most of my uh, comments will be made through the ESV, but um, you can just join with me now as, we, uh, as I'll read it for you. And always my Passion Translation's at the bottom. There we go. Okay, Psalm 17. Listen to me, Lord. Hear the passionate prayer of this honest man. It's my piercing cry for justice. My cause is just and my need is real. I've done what's right and my lips speak truth. Lord, I've always lived my life before your faith, so examine and exonerate me. Vindicate me and show the world I'm innocent. For in a a visitation of the night, you inspected my heart and refined my soul in fire until nothing vile was found in me. I've wanted my words and my ways to always agree. Following your word has kept me from wrong. Your ways have molded my footsteps, keeping me from going down the forbidden paths of the destroyer. My steps follow in the tracks of your chariot wheels, always staying in, the path, in their path, never straying from your way. Verse 6, you will answer me, God, I know you always will, like you always do as you listen with love to my every prayer. Magnify the marvels of your mercy to all who seek you. Make your pure one wonderful to me like you do for all those who turn aside to hide themselves in you. Protect me from harm. Keep an eye on me like you would a child reflected in the twinkling of your eye. Yes, hide me within the shelter of your embrace, under your outstretched wings. Protect me there from all my foes, for there are many who surround my soul to completely destroy me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, and Lord, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts, that Lord, we will not try to hide or cover anything in front of you, but Lord, you will, we, we desire for your Holy Spirit to minister to us by your word, through your spirit, and that Lord, it would be as a sword, so to speak, Revealing the, the soul asunder. Your word says it, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it brings, it cuts to the very essence of our lives. And Lord, we desire for that to happen. That it would be a voice, it would be a cry of our hearts. And that Lord, it would truly penetrate and allow us to leave here different than the way we came. Lord, we just ask that you would be blessed and honored by all that is said. In your name we pray, amen. My life at times 
has had difficult people in it. None of you have ever had that, have you? You've never had difficult people. Now, this would be a good segue. I could just jump off and tell you how bad my life is, uh, but I'm not going to do that. It could be a very funny segue. I could blame it all on my wife. That was a joke in my head. Okay? Uh, But it's not. I think that there are times in every one of our lives where we, we hit a wall and we deal with things that are unfair. I had, uh, in a previous church that I was pastoring, I had this gentleman come in and he pointed his finger at me and I think I've said this in another one of my illustrations. He said, as long as you're the pastor here, I'm not coming. And uh, I knew that that wasn't just going to be his viewpoint, but he was going to tell that viewpoint to a lot of people. And I ended up having to share that with my leadership. And um, you know how you sometimes expect people to come alongside you and help you? And then you get those that... When you say something, they didn't step up to the challenge. They just, you knew what they were thinking, that they agreed, right? Well, that's what was happening. And, and um, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I could take time and explain to you what was taking place at the time. But it was, a, it was an unfair accusation at the end of it all. And um, I, uh, uh, for me, it was, like, um, it was like the final nail in the coffin. Um, it was about time to say, you know, Lord, all I'm trying to do is minister for you, and yet these people don't want me. And so what happened is, in long story short, I resigned and, and moved on, and it took a, almost a whole year to move out to Saskatchewan. <laughs> well, that was a long year because I didn't have any place to go. I expected my transition to be short, and it ended up to be a full year, and I didn't have a job. I, did, I tried to get other jobs because... Nothing was coming, so I was trying very hard to put myself, well, God, if you don't want me to minister, then I'll just find a regular job. And every place that I put my resume in or just about to, it would shut. Those are the days when I went to the chapel at, the, at uh, camp, and I, I just prayed out to God, God, don't you see me? Where am I? And all he did was listen. All my kids, my kids and my wife were sitting inside the door of the cabin. They say, what does God say? And I said, he said nothing. He just listened to me. And then I, I came out here to Saskatchewan, and within the first year, there was the same feeling I got back at the last church. There was accusations and things being said. And... Um, it's interesting. 
I, at the time, we decided that we would foster parent. So we had a, a foster daughter at the time. And uh, it was, things were just, you know, things go wrong. They just seem to go more and more wrong and more and more wrong. And you're just going, okay, I've had enough. I'll just drop out of existence. So I, I, I fully understand what the psalmist here is saying. Vindicate me, Lord. I'm just trying to do, you know, what's right, what's just. It's interesting that at that particular moment, I came to a prayer meeting that we had here at the church. Not, not here, but we were the happy wandering crowd at the time, and we, um, we were using the St. John's Lutheran Church, and we are supposed to have a Wednesday evening prayer meeting, and you know how sometimes things look even worse when you're walking through them. I went to a, a prayer meeting that day and nobody showed up. You know, all hell was breaking loose and the pastor goes to prayer meeting and no one showed Is that an, e- that an ego booster? Yeah, yeah. And um, I just I got worshiping the Lord and playing on the piano and then I, I just lifted my voice out to him, and I just said, God, I need a word, because this life right now just sucks. I, I can't do this any longer. I'm ready to go. And um, it's interesting that, the, that in that quiet time, in that place of sorrow, in that place of pain, um, God chooses to show up. And um, I will always remember the word he gave me that evening. He told me that he was going to plant me. He told me that I was going to be fruitful. He told me that I was going to survive. Now, you have to understand that at this particular moment, in all of my being a pastor, I had been in a traditional church setting, I had been on a staff, I had been in a big church, I had come to Saskatchewan to be in a church plant, and I had already told the powers that be that I don't know anything about church planting. Okay, So I was already feeling like I was behind the eight ball, and when things start going awry and people are upset with you, then you, you, your focus and your attention is on everything, everything is everybody's saying, your inadequacies, all that stuff. And so when you're walking through that valley in that situation, we wish things could be different. It truly is an uphill battle like last week, and you almost go, okay, God, I give up. But it's interesting to note that in the midst of the most difficult circumstance that you and I could ever face, God is always faithful to come through. Why am I saying that? Because in the midst of that dark time in my life, I have a word from the Lord that no one can take away. And I have a word that God has brought me through. 
And I can always turn to that word and say, you know what? You didn't fail me there. You are not going to fail me now. But in the midst of that terrible storm, it is easy to say, oh no, look out, I'm about to die. I don't know about you, but if you're there this morning, you're in the place where God wants you to be. The first few verses in this psalm, it says, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. How do you and I handle conflict when the other person isn't communicating or behaving honorably? I'm going to give you a little hint into my own situation. Is In any situation in conflict, there's two sides. But how the other side was handling me was not right. They were being dishonorable. I could go through and show you all the different things that had took place, but that's, I, this isn't about me. I'm trying to give you a, a context in my own life of how this is, this is real, and so I'm going to spare you all the details and make you on my team. You wonder if pastors ever go through hardships, if you ever see them get upset or, or be sorrowful about certain situations that happen in church. We do. We just can't always be vulnerable and upfront with it because we don't want to manipulate you. There's something called free will, and a, and a, a good leader never tries to bring manipulation into the into the context of the situation in order to gather people to a side. So, as a leader, I don't want people to gather to my side because they are, because of manipulation, I want them to gather to God's side. And at this point, I'm feeling that's my side. But all of the times, it's never that way when you look at a conflict. You know what? I, I read in a book that 63% of conflict that you and I ever go through have no right and no wrong. So the question is, why does it bother, bother us so much? Because it's tugging at something that's in us that's screaming to be heard or to be dealt with. Because there are things that are happening in us that God wants to deal with and minister to and bring healing for. But in the midst of it, 
You can't tell a person when they're going through all hell, oh, this is all about God trying to do something in you. So, you know, just take it. Try it. That doesn't work. It's all well and good to work through conflicts in a lab where people treat you as good as you're treating them. But in the real world, choosing to follow the way of Christ means that you're going you're gonna to hold back from a certain way of fighting. You can't say what they say, you can't do what they do, and you cannot win like they win. So how do you deal with unfair conflict? The psalmist says, you have tried my heart and, I have, and you have visited me by night. You have tested me and you have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. Here is the first way with dealing with unfair conflict. Refuse to speak dishonorably regardless of how others speak to you. Someone used to say to me once, you will only get the, the fruit of that which you use. So if you use the flesh, you will get the fruit of the flesh. If you use the Spirit, you will get the fruit of the Spirit. So I could, in fact, go, hello, treat me properly, and begin to use the same vindication that was used against me, but I will only get the results of that which I am using. And quite frankly, if I use the arm of flesh, it only lasts for a certain length of time, and it will not last at all. <laughs> it may feel good at the moment. But even being right doesn't make you right. Or get the right. This tries your heart. You will hear things that hurt you, and you will not be able to snap back. Sometimes it's too much to ask to have the right heart in these kind of fights, but you can at least have the right words. The psalmist here says, With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I want you to know that it's a temptation to fight like others fight. And all of us here in this room, I guess if you're married, you'll know this for a fact. It's so easy to get on this thing that one writer says, a crazy cycle. That once you feel something happen to you, you rise up and begin to put the other person in his or her place. And then it just continues and continues on, and you wonder how you even got to this place because what you're fighting about is no longer the place where you started. It's because we have 
touched on each other's buttons and we've done things and we've used the arm of flesh and we haven't allowed the Spirit to bring about a dissolving and a ministering of one another's needs. Here's the second thing on how to deal with conflict is the way of the violent is a way where words and actions are used to cause others harm. You can avoid the way of the violent when you hear the word of the Lord. You see, in my heart, there was such a desire for justice that I just could pray the same thing that the psalmist was praying, Lord, vindicate and bring justice to my life. But God never said, yeah, I'm going to come down and rain down terror on those that hurt you. He didn't say that. Instead, he said, I'm going to plant you. I'm going to build you up. What you do will prosper. He wasn't even talking about the fight. Interesting. And so once I receive that into my spirit, I'm allowed to look at this situation far more in a different capacity than I did before. Because I'm looking at it from a capacity of strength in my own life. God has said something to me. He has brought healing to me. Therefore, I can look at what situation I'm in and know, therefore, that he is going to bring me through. Did he say he was going to solve the fight? Did he say he was going to do that? No. He said, I'm going to survive. But many of us, when we're in the midst of the conflict and and these kind of battles, that's not the word we want to hear. It's a winner-take-all battle. When you're in there, you're kind of going, but... The reason why it can set you free is because God's looking at the whole picture and he's dealing with your life. You didn't know that the person who is treating you unfairly is really, in some regards, the arm of the Lord. To bring you to a place where you can receive something he's got to give you. He couldn't do it the other way, so yikes. It's not a bad place to be. You see, when God speaks to you before and during these kinds of unfair conflicts, it becomes much easier to avoid the temptation to hurt other people the way they say and do to you. If you're fantasizing about hurting someone else, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and with your, wor- with your words or actions, then that is the sign that you need to find out what God says about the conflict. It's time to find out the word of the Lord. If you are dealing with your own mind saying, how I'm going to, I want to, what I want to do to those people, it's time to go to God and say, God, What is your word for this situation? 
Good word. Thank you, Pastor. I know. Good amen. Amen, amen, amen. The psalmist says here, I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear your words, wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. When you take refuge in God, you trust that he will be your vindication. He will protect your reputation. He will make things right in the end. He will be honored that you didn't use that comeback. And I want to tell you that in my situation, all of those things are correct. It's not how I would have done it. But all of those things were correct. God did come. Did I have to still face the hardship? Yes, sirree. Did some of those situations I didn't want to have happen? They happened. But in the end, there was a protection from my reputation. There was, he made things right in the end, and he honored that which I didn't use as a comeback. The psalmist here says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. Some of you who have been here a long time, you, can, you hear some of the, one of the words that was over this congregation that he saw us as the apple of his eye. The psalmist here is using the vernacular of looking at, when I look at my grandchildren in the eye, they see themselves in the very pupil of my eye. There's a security there. There's a knowing. Under the shadow of his wings, there is protection. Those are things that God sees and does for the people of God, and He desires to bring you through in your situation, wherever it may, whatever it may be. You can take shelter in the reality of being hidden under His wings. Sometimes we think God doesn't want us to experience conflict. And then we find it hard to find His presence when we're in the middle of an unfair fight. How many of us in here in this room do not, we, we don't want to be in conflict? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're lying to yourself. Okay? Everybody here in this room does not want to be in conflict. But the conflict is the place where we can find his, his presence. right in the middle of the unfair fight. Doesn't that seem kind of weird? I, I, you know, I think that my success in life is due to the, the pleasant experiences that I will experience, the successes that I will have. Therefore, that shows that my life is valuable and has some uh, essence of, 
of, of value to the world and to God because all the things that I can do. When you say that I can find him in the middle of the deepest and darkest of times, that's, that's weird. You see, God wants you and I to know that that we are right in the center of his will in the middle of a fight. Come on! Every good movie... Last time I talked about the Lord of the Rings, I had people leave the church. But this is the return of the king's sword. I bought it for Connor when I went to Spain. And, um, you know, I'm sure that, uh, I don't want to poke myself with it's not sharp, but... This movie would not be very successful if it didn't have any conflict in it. None of you would spend money to go see it or buy memorabilia because the king rode in and said, Okay, people, let's live right together. No, there had to be adversarial conflict in order for us to realize how valuable this, the king, the return of the king would be. Come on, what's so different about our own lives? How valuable would God be if, he didn't, if, he, if your life was all success all the time and you lived by all the things that you wanted to do? What, what good would he be? I want, to hear, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me really carefully. What if your honor and your love in the midst of an unfair fight is what breaks the violent spirit? What if your commitment to care for the other person when they're trying to hurt you, is what opens their heart up to be loved. And what if God put in you, you put, put you in their way so that they could be overcome by good? So how do you know, how, how do you know how this is working? How do you know that in the midst of the struggle and the circumstance that you're going to be able to be on the, the victory side other than blind trust? 
You kind of have to understand what the enemy's using to bring you down. What goes on here from verse 9 is what the psalmist begins to define things, and I, I and especially verse verse 14 is there is a a worldliness. So often we are, we are caught in this life with things that are happening all around us. And we, I don't know about you, but in the midst of the conflict, you begin to believe the words that are being, act, being thrown up against you. In the midst of the struggle from both churches, I began to believe what people were saying about me. Well, if they believe it, God must believe it. And if that's the truth, then what am I doing? The accusations, the unfair accusations, the things that are being thrown up against you, how do you know that what they're saying isn't the truth? You ever thought about it? Well, I have. The place, the men of the world here in this, in verse 14, the word here used for world denotes a trans transitory nature of world as a thing of time. Men of the world are those who have made it their home and, who, and together with the world and the lust thereof are passing away. Thus being worldly minded, they have their portion in this life. So life is understood as a, as a mean of ease and of pleasure. And Again, this is the understanding is you have to understand the weapons that are being used. They live to the visible. The world, their plan and pleasure, hope and fear, loss or gain has to do with the senses of worldly life. It's all about here and now. They live to the present. Their disposition is for the highest good and the highest happiness in a pure natural life. Worldliness consists in three things. An attachment to the outward, an attachment to the transitory, and an attachment to the unreal. Why am I saying all this? Is because you can... if you listen really carefully, if you listen to the words that are being used, the things that are thrown against you, they come from that point of view. They're talking about the here and now. They're talking about the visible. They're talking about life as it exists to right here. And so the accusations are pointed out, well, guess what? Your life isn't going to make a hill of being a difference to right now. Oh, That's a weapon used by the enemy. That's worldliness. 
Well, I just need to get out of here. You know what? I was listening to that. I was thinking to my head, you know what? I just need to get out of here. But you know what? God shut the door for that too. We phoned social services and we couldn't take our little, little girl out of the province. I had to stay. I wanted to go home to Alberta. Heaven forbid. Now, if you're from Alberta, forgive me. I was born there, so I can say those things. And when I lived in BC, I used to call that the promised land. So you didn't live in BC, you're not in the promised land, you're in the wilderness. That was really rude of me to say, wasn't it? The point of the matter here is, is that there is an attachment to the outward. There's an attachment to the transitory, things that, aren't, that won't last. An attachment to things that really aren't real. They won't survive. And there's so many things in life that are pointing us and throwing it out so that you can... You, they look and feel real. Okay, you don't believe me? I'm going to give you an example. He's not here, so I'll have to ask for forgiveness later. Okay? Brad Redekop decided to run for the Conservative Party in Saskatoon. It took him a whole year of heavy slugging going door to door, and in some cases, getting his face slammed in the door. As the election, and got, as the election was called, he continued on and got more fervor. But all he had was, I will just, I know I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to do this. I have a, a person that I, I sit with on city council and he pointed me to this, this app that looks at all the different ridings from all across the country from Newfoundland to Vancouver, to Vancouver Island and it had all of, the, all of the ridings that were up in the air that were to be decided and they even gave a those that were un, truly undecided and those that were leaning or should be In the last week of the election, his riding was supposed to go to somewhere else. If you know Brad, all he was doing was being faithful to what he was called to do. But in the midst of that, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you my evaluation from a third person, there was so many people that could jump on the bandwagon and he's not going to make it. He's not going to do it. And if you looked at the writing itself, the last time the writing was this way, it was supposed to go to a certain party, and it did. For it to go the way it went, needed 
something to happen. Even the day before, it was supposed to go to someone else. You see, you will always face a difficult struggle trying to do what God asks you to do. And even if it would have went, Brad was mature enough to say, you know what, I'm just being faithful to follow what God asked me to do and I will do it. And if you think that his life is even more simple than it is now, it isn't. Because now we have a minority government and he could go back to slinging, walking the pavement again within months. What I'm trying to point out here is this isn't about certain parties. This is about doing what God's asked you to do and to not listen to the things that are, that are constantly thwarting your obedience and listening to the word of the Lord. Well, I'm just going to do this because I get this result from it. Or I'm going to do this because I get this enjoyment out of it. Well, guess what? You get the fruit of that temporal excitement or fulfillment. You know what? There is more fulfillment in the things of God when you have to sacrifice everything you have and you're not certain you're going to get it. There was an atmosphere here up front when we were singing. We were, we were, we were, we were literally declaring in the spirit realm that God was still working even if we don't see him and even if we don't feel him he is still working and I don't know about you but in the front here there was such an, an, an aliveness of the spirit that you know Denise just kept going for it kept going for it because it was the truth People, it isn't about your feelings. It isn't about your temporarily satisfaction. It isn't about those things. God desires to work in you and build you and to make you the person that he knows you to be. He doesn't care, so to speak, about your temporal satisfaction because that's fleeting. What means a hill of beans to him is who you are. What you know about you. At the end of every message, we get into the ring. So here we go. Is there anyone you're afraid to confront? Is there anyone other, other people are afraid to confront because of how unfair and mean-spirited they are? 
Have you been scared by an unfair fight in the past? Is there anyone you still need to forgive for hurting you? And hint, resentments are a good place to where to start. And lastly, worship is a great way to practice finding the presence of God when you do not feel it. When you're feeling under attack, it's what you learn in worship that will help you find God's shelter when things are difficult. I know that things seem tough right now. And maybe for you, there are, you're struggling financially, or you're struggling personally, or you're struggling relationally, or you're in marital conflict, or you're having troubles at the job. And there are unfair things that are coming against you, or unfair things that you are dealing with. You have to understand that it is the exact place that God has you in order for him to speak to you. Because he wants to bring you through to the other side. Because he's more concerned about building who you are than solving your problem. You'll know you're having problems, you're doing it the wrong way when all you focus in on is how to get relief for the, the feelings I have. It's in the midst of the struggle where you proclaim loudly the character of who you serve over the midst of your conflict. You have to realize that sometimes, even as Christians, we can sometimes get caught in using arms of flesh to solve our problems rather than declare the character of who he is. He is not afraid of your workplace. He is not afraid of your marital situation. He is not afraid of your financial problems. He isn't able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think because it is his power that's working within you. What he's asking you to do is to silence the loud voice and get louder with his. Church, your voice of what God is saying to you and about you is, should be and needs to be louder than any other voice. I'm sorry, this, this, we're in Mormon, Saskatchewan. And we've had some strong words about this place. And there are loud words that say it ain't going to happen. Well, guess what? They're wrong. This may not be Bethel. This may not be Alberta. This may not be BC. 
Big deal. I either believe God and what he says or I don't. And when the first word came out, there was lots that stood unto their feet and said, bring it on, it'll cost us sacrifice. Bring it on, we'll do it. And some of those people aren't here today. Now, if you were here once and you left and now you're busy, I'm not talking about you. Dave Willis knows I'm not talking about him. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, is that God is no respecter of place, person, things, ideas, situations. Because he used a small stable to bring the king of kings. A place where there was crap, animals, and no place for his son. If God does that for his own son in the midst of nowhere, I think he can use warm in Saskatchewan in the middle of, of somewhere. Even in the physical realm, this place has experienced tremendous growth. And now in the midst of financial holdback, we are looking for the next wave. And quite frankly, people, That is the voice of the world saying, go to this, do that, needs to be this. When really we've got it all here. God's already promised what he's going to do. So in the midst of the voices that are loud and screaming in your ears that say no, you have to scream louder and say yes. Back in, those, in that little church, back where no one came to pray, God said yes. So I said yes. And I've seen many people come and go over 20 years. but I will still believe. I will still sacrifice. Because I'm not building for me, for what I need. I'm building for him. I want him. I want the spirit to move in this land. Because he is still working today. He is still slaying giants. He is still raising the dead. And I want him in this land. He is bigger than what you are facing right now. Because, and you may be in the thick of the problem. 
because he is trying to bring up the dross in the refiner's fire to have you ready for his great move of God. I'm thankful for the leadership that we have. Now we sat in my home last Thursday and we, we sang and we prayed together. Because we believe in the words that have been spoken. Church, it's time to be louder. Be stronger. Fill our lives in faith. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I cannot tell you, I I don't have words to tell you that there is a battle going on in this land. In this last, in these last few months, I have sensed a battle going on in homes, in this land, in this city. And if you think you're going to avoid it by just doing whatever and fixing whatever problem you have, it isn't going to fix it. The only thing that will fix it is the Spirit of God moving on your heart and proclaiming who He is. Because He's still working even though you can't see him. He is still working even though you can't feel him. He is who he says he is, and he is coming. 